this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Anchor. If you don't know what Anchor is and you're thinking about starting a podcast, you should probably find out what Anchor is because Anchor is a free way to host your podcasts. It also gives you creation tools like the ability to record yourself, record with other people, edit as well, and do it from your phone or your computer. You don't need to go buy fancy tools to start. You can start with Anchor. And you can hit the nice distribute button, and it's going to send it out to all the places you want it to be, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and more. In addition to that, you can make money from your podcast with no basic listenership. In other words, if you only have 10 people because you're just starting, you can still monetize that. It's really hard to find a better place to start. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started on the crazy podcast journey. Is it? Or is it? Hmm. Oh, this will be the first time I have a bubble tea during the show. Oh, no. Yes. Uh, have we Hell reached yes. that point of addiction? Yep. Pretty much. Well, actually, you know what? I actually backed off of it for a really, really mm-hmm. long time, like a couple of weeks. I didn't have any at all. And <laughs> like then a like, couple of weeks is a really, literally long time. <laughs> that really is a long time for me, though. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's a lifetime. In dog you were going so often that I was afraid you were going to have bubbles coming out of your ass soon. It got to the point where people were literally bringing... Because I do political stuff. Um, people were literally bringing me bubble tea during our meetings. If they wanted <laughs> me to be in a good mood, it was horrible. I could just imagine you walking out of a, you know, a field and people were like, Oh, look at this little pile of bubbles. Was there a goat here? Nope. Like, no, that was lamb. That's lamb. Just on his walk. <laughs> <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> Now that we've got the image of you shitting in the field out of the way, let's really get into this. Well, let's 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 modify that, right? Like, not only is it me shitting in a field, but it's me shitting pellets in a field. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I I picture myself with like these little baby antlers. That's really weird. I don't know why I personally picture myself that way, but that's what you got uh, now. <laughs> you you got what you wanted, Lamb. When you said mm, my weird side doesn't really come out enough in the show. It's coming out. Yep. So goat poop. Well, I've also I've also been eating food that has goat in it lately, mm. and I feel like that's made me been eating Indian food or what? Yeah, Indian food. Um, and it's been just delicious. So Jenna and I have this thing for like anytime we see goat on the menu. So two things, right? Number one, if you have the balls to put goat on your menu, then it has to be a pretty solid dish. Yeah. Uh, and on top of getting like crappy goat. <laughs> yeah. There's, can you imagine what crappy goat would taste like? Oh, um, and can. then, and then there's, yeah, exactly. Um, and then the second half of that is, um, usually because goat is such a different meat, um, usually any place that makes goat is going to make it with a different spice palette than you would have for normal food. So it's always slightly mm-hmm. exotic. So it's, uh, it's been a win-win so far. Every time we've had, it, it's been very good. Have you ever had Buffalo? 
or to be more specific, ground buffalo? I've had buffalo jerky. Okay. And that's it. So you may be able to answer this question or not. I've, I feel like I've had buffalo more than once, but I'm not positive. I know specifically like three weeks ago, I had a buffalo hamburger. I guess it's not really a hamburger. Buffalo burger. And I got the feeling that buffalo is sweet. Yeah, I get that too, actually. From the jerky, the meat was a little sweeter. Oh, you, know it? It tastes, you know what it kind of tastes like? It kind of tastes like if you took uh, beef and, and it ate nothing but sugar cane all day. Like yeah. it's, not, it's, it's like an overall sweetness. It's not like an ingredient sweetness. I'm not sure how I feel about it. Yeah, because I also, I mean, the burger I had had like, you know, like caramelized onions on it too, which were probably sweet. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what in there was, you know, it wasn't bad, but it was just, maybe I just, I haven't acquired a taste for it yet, but I know buffalo is like one of the healthiest meats on the planet that you can eat. Sure, sure. So, I mean, obviously most buffalo are grass fed mm-hmm. because they don't really have <laughs> factory farming built around buffalo. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, 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 the meat itself definitely had a different quality about it. Um, so that's probably from the, the, you know, um, grass fed nature of it. The roaming and pooping in fields, actually. Yeah, pooping in fields. Matt, that's twice in five minutes. Yeah, I ended the last show talking about food. I started this show talking about shitting and then eating food. (laughs) That's I'm on a roll. That's that's quality content. Um, You mentioned this before. We're going to figure out how we're going to start doing this. Hey, if you guys made it through that part of the beginning and you're planning (laughs) on making it through any more of this show... We're going to start asking at the beginning of the show to go into Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. No long spiel about it. Just please do it. It takes like four minutes. And we look pathetic for a show that's been around for three years because I never ask. Well, it, it, it takes four minutes if you write a long review. It, it takes like 30 seconds if you just go, these guys are good or these guys are horrible. Whichever version of it that you... Because we want honest reviews, obviously. So if you have criticisms, I mean, um, don't get me wrong. I'd love I for you want to talk to us first. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I would love for you guys to You talk guys to suck. Like, yeah, you keep that one. Yeah, you guys are pure trash. Um, please <laughs> talk to us first and let us know how, how we can improve before you you plaster that all over the... Well, actually, don't even don't even bother. Whatever. I was going to say, by us, he must mean himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want to know that. <laughs> I, I personally don't care. I mean, I, I've grown <laughs> working in politics. You grow again pretty fast. Yeah. Oh, it's not me. I don't. I'm not worried about the skin. It's not going to bother me. I'm still going to do whatever the hell I want on air. <laughs> I just literally don't want other voices in my head. I've got enough. Like, oh, maybe we should do this. Maybe you know, I got enough ideas of my own. I don't need other people's ideas adding to the pile. Did I end a sentence right when you were drinking water again? No, I think there was a hiccup in the time time space continuum. Uh, hiccups. No, the the uh, the Zoom thing. I think I noticed there was a weird pause in the middle of your sentence. Yeah. So we must have gone out of phase, or maybe it wasn't Zoom. Maybe it was reality. Well, my my um, my Wi-Fi connection here it's usually pretty solid, but for some odd reason, every once in a while, it's kind of wonky. Um, but yeah, that that might be it as well. We shall we shall find out. We've we've had far worse conditions. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Zoom Zoom kicks ass compared to Skype. So Yep. I mean I don't I don't know that there's any large moments since we started using Zoom that we've had robot voice. Skype mm-hmm. we used to have it every week. 
Oh, come on, Microsoft. Do something with that money. These guys are an independent company and they're kicking your ass. Uh, and the recording's built in. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, it costs $15 a month, but whatever. Hey, it's, it's worth, worth it. it. Sometimes you pay for what you get, man, or you get what you pay for. Reverse I'm, that. I'm recording two to three episodes a week. That's totally worth it for 15 yeah, bucks. Totally, totally. Yeah, you're, you're getting your money's worth out of that, dude. I know. Uh, speaking of ideas, something that came up in the episode with Tom that I just like has blossomed into something that I think is really interesting to just kind of throw like dice into the middle of the show. You know, we're talking about these tent pole ideas mm-hmm. and bringing in, you know, like that one idea. Well, I was telling him in the middle of the last episode that I finally took all these boxes and next cards and labeled them. So, like, I have three boxes. I have mm-hmm. one which is marginalia, which is all the facts, you know, short little facts that I collect from my reading that I think are interesting. Yeah. Go out in that newsletter that I do, which is called Marginalia, by the way. I don't know why I never, speaking of not doing things, I never plug that on the show. Hmm. I can't remember what the address of for it is right now. You'll just have to go to show notes to find out. I'm not going to look it up right this second. And the other box is quotes and ideas. Those are a combination box because it's the smallest of the groups. And then there's another one of concepts. And the concepts are where I'm pulling these tentpole ideas. So what I did in the middle of the last episode with him is, like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pull a quote. And I just pulled a quote and we talked about it for like five minutes. And I was like, that was interesting. And then when we were talking after the show, people listening mm-hmm. didn't hear this, we are talking about it. And Tom said this offhand comment and it just stuck with me. He's like, oh yeah. He's like, by reaching in the box, you're kind of living up to the part of the random part of the name. Oh, sure. And I was like, huh, that's really interesting. And I was sitting here and I'm like, you know what? I have this tentpole idea. Because what I was thinking, what I really want to do is these... I'm going to stop calling them tentpole ideas because I don't want it to just be one. Um, I want it to be at least two because I want you, as we've been doing, to add on to whatever conversation that I had with Tom. But then I want to start one with you that he adds on to so that you're not always coming up second on every idea. So that you get what I'm saying there? Yeah, yeah, totally. So idea one, idea two. Idea two, you get the second conversation. Idea two, wow. <laughs> the numbers are getting mixed up. Idea one, idea two, beginning, end. So you get one the beginning of one and the end of the other. There. I said it in a sentence that kind of makes sense. Ah, you made it. So I thought that was interesting. But then I was like, um, I know what the one I'm going to have him finish on was, which was Tom's. I'm just going to start pulling the other one out randomly. I'm just going to reach in. And that means I'm coming into these conversations completely unprepared too, which is far more interesting. Yeah, sure. And then I was, I was thinking about it too. I'm like, you know what? I liked pulling the quote. I'll pull the quote out. It's a shorter conversation. It's interesting. Sometimes the quotes are just something I think sounds cool. We mm-hmm. might not have much to say about it. We could talk about how the sentence works as writers. You know, like, oh, I like the word usage of this, you know, if it's not about an idea or something. Sure. And, I, and then I was like, you know, if, if this show is really about creativity, then this whole stack of ideas for projects that I have that I'm not doing because I don't have time to, why don't I just share those with the world too? Sure. Might as well. Why, why covet your ideas, right? You know, like I did it, I did it in an episode with Tom once where I said, oh, I just randomly grabbed a card and it was somebody write a show or a cartoon about an emergency room for all the villains. You know, where they all go after the heroes kick their ass. And I thought that would be like a really good like twist on like uh, Scrubs. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, and it, you know, it was like the mixture of that in the waiting room and Beetlejuice. <laughs> That's what I had in mind. So I was like, we could pull these ideas out, and then uh, I don't know. Uh, we could we could play with that too. You know, like hey, Lamb, if if you had this idea, what would you do with it? Oh, here's what I was thinking. And then maybe that's going to get people out there to make something. So I think that'll be fun too. Yeah, sure. And all I have to do is have these two little black boxes in front of me. So now that now that we, we're going to play with that, get that out of the way, um, do you have anything that you wanted to talk about in this episode? Um, you know, no, right? I, like to, I like to just go into these raw, man. Yeah, me too. Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm like, have I watched anything recently that I would recommend, but not... Nothing that strikes me right now. So let's, um, what do you want to do first? You want quote, idea, the concept I talked about with Tom, or a new one? Which one would you like first? Uh, let's go quote. All right. Here we go. We need like a, a shuffling sound or something like, you know, like the, the spinning wheel. <laughs> a little drum roll. Well, yeah, drum roll's kind of old. Okay. Here we go. This is a quote from Patty Smith's book, M Train. If you want to talk about something to recommend, read that book. That's a beautiful book. We sometimes eclipse our own dreams with reality. Oh, man. What do you think about that? I have so much to say about that one. <laughs> Sweet. This is fun, right? Oh, that's pretty cool, actually. It's yeah. almost like a game show. <laughs> hmm. We sometimes eclipse our own dreams with our, with our reality? With reality. With reality. Oh yeah, it happens all the time. It happens uh, to most. I'd, I'd say most of us. You know the 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 explain explain what you mean by it happens. Though maybe people are getting something else out of that. Well, I always I always think that that corresponds to a choice, um, and it's not a bad choice. You know, like at at every point in throughout the course of people's lives, they have a choice to to keep pursuing something with a forward trajectory, um, or to pick a spot in which they're comfortable and happy and stay there for the rest of their lives. And usually, um, you know, there's, there's a bravery that's, that's a part of continuing to live a dream. Um, and the dream can be, the other thing too, is that, um, I think that people misunderstand or don't misunderstand, but they misuse the word dream when it comes to this. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of people have dreams that are very young, um, and lofty, like I want to be an astronaut. I mean, that's, if that's your dream, all power to you but they don't give themselves room to modify that dream. Maybe I want to right. be an aeronautics engineer and design a rocket that will uh, be more fuel efficient so that we can launch more stuff into space and grow the ISS or get a mission to Mars in our lifetime. You know, like there's, there's, there's always a choice that people have at some point. And I feel like very few people modify their dreams enough in order to be able to make a better choice as they move forward. I mean, I know I'm guilty of that. Like, you know, I, I, I at some part in my, what my life wanted to be a famous rock star. Um, and I never really gave myself much room. It was either all or nothing. You know what I mean? It was either I was going to be a rock star that produced bunches of albums and toured stadiums, or I was going to be, I was not going to do music at all. And not until like maybe the last three or four years have I really understood that, you know, maybe I just want to kick ass at music and make the best music I can. And if people like it, they like it. And if they don't, they don't. But for me, the, the goal has changed and the dream has changed. And I think that I've been doing that more and more and more. Um, with all of the things in my life. And, and it, took, it took me losing quite a bit of my life um, in order for me to realize that if I didn't modify my dreams, that I was just going to stay in this quiet hovel of, of sadness that, that didn't allow me the, the energy or the emotional space to do anything real. Um, 
And so it, the, the irony of that is the ability for me now to change my dreams on almost a daily basis in some cases, um, like with the political stuff, for example, I literally change that sometimes hour to hour because I'm so new to it um, that I have to give myself the room to change it. Um, I do so much more now. Um, and, and, and it's an exponential difference in the amount of stuff that I'm capable of doing, um, both for the world and for myself, um, kind of actually goes into one of our challenges, um, from, from the previous episode that, uh, I'm now using challenges like that in my daily life and living up to those challenges has made me far more productive and far more forward moving than I ever have been. Yeah, I think that goals are, when we use the word goal, it's like useless, but challenge is just so much more appealing. Like I'm, I have a challenge for myself. Um, when I, so when I, when I hear this quote, I, I focus strongly on the word eclipse. So when I hear this, what I imagine is our dreams being eclipsed by reality. So reality is just coming in and completely blocking out all vision of the dream. And what that makes me think of, it first of all, it makes me think of last week when we talked about uh, worrying about today, the tasks of today, and not enough of the dreams or the goals or the challenges of the future. And then it also makes me think of Mr. Holland's Opus, a movie that I've mentioned many times oh, yeah. on here, mm-hmm. where that's my biggest fear, is that reality will eclipse my dreams, that I will settle so yeah, I think that maybe I even have like a more negative twist on it where I hear that and go, shit, am I letting reality just completely block out my dreams? So mm-hmm. I think maybe that's, I mean, I'm probably thinking that way because I'm taking so much of a risk right now in my life on all of those quote unquote dreams. Um, so maybe that's just a slant that I'm coming from presently. But that's, I guess that's how we interpret everything, right? Yeah, Sure. Yeah, that's that's a that's a tough one. To that is resolve. a tough one. I mean, how I wonder how many people fall into that throughout the course of their lives. I, I imagine a lot. Most, I would say. Yeah, I, I would. I would. I think you'd probably be hard pressed to find somebody who doesn't. You could find them, but it would be work. You know, like somebody like an Elon Musk, maybe who doesn't operate with doubt. But I think the rest of us pay the bills. Sure. I mean, think about how many friends that we know, most of, most of whom who have been guests on this show, when they were younger, were in bands, you know, going straight to the top. You know, that's the way that they were looking at the world. And that didn't happen. So then they had to figure out life. But some of them gave up on music. Some of them are out there still slugging away at it, which I have so much respect for. And... I, that's what I think of. Like, I'm not saying that the choosing "quote unquote" reality is always a bad choice, mm-hmm. but at a certain point, I think that you do have to face down that one will try to block out the other. Well, and I feel like as you get older too, like you're fighting two things, right? And like you're fighting mortality and time, which in some cases people will call the same thing. Right. Um, but you start to you start to have a sense of urgency about not having achieved the thing that you set out to achieve initially. So you look at certain people in our lives, for example, right? Like you look at a guy like John Miller and how he continues to fight. He's probably one of the most talented musicians I've ever met, and I've met some famous musicians. And 
the fight that he has to continue fighting in order to continually achieve is just harder and harder and harder. And that's, and that's at least harder psychologically. And that's brave of him. You know, like I actually have a lot of respect for his journey because it's such a tough journey. Yeah. Speaking of him, doesn't he have a new single out right now? I think so. Yeah. So uh, uh, plug in, plug in him as well. I don't know if it's on Apple music. I saw that it was on Spotify. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to look and see what the name of it is. It's something gloom. Is it Holy Dark Band or The Holy Dark Band? I think it's uh, The Holy Dark, but I'm not sure. No, I mean the Instagram name. Oh, 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 oh. I don't know. Okay. Anyways, when I find that, I will tell you. <laughs> Solid. <laughs> because there we go. On Instagram, The Holy Dark Band. The name of the single is Through the Gloom. So, guys, check that out. He was a guest on the show previously. Uh, it was back when I was doing kind of the what I've been referring to as the NPR style episodes. Mm-hmm. But that was, uh, you were there for that. Remember, we, we recorded that in uh, Cafe, it's called with the T downtown? Cafe Trieste? No, that's in San Francisco. Uh, Frascati. Frascati. There we go. Not yeah. a T. Uh, yeah, you were there. We, you and uh, Nancy and I. Yeah. And we all went, that, was, uh, that was like three... No, it was like two years ago. No, it was, it was like three years ago, dude. Can't be. The show's not three years old. Uh, maybe. I don't so, know. I, I have pictures from it somewhere. Um, he's, so he's in episode 51, which is how do we know when we're done? And then he's also in episode 57, which is kind of like six different people in that episode. Okay. So you have any more on that quote? Or are you ready to move on to another thing? I could literally talk about that quote for an entire episode. Well, what else do you have to say? Mm. <laughs> um, I think it's a daily choice. I think it's a daily choice to, and I don't think it's about following your dreams necessarily either. I think that's childish and stupid. Um, and, and don't, don't Wait, miss. Why, why do you think that's childish and stupid? Because I feel like you, as you get older, I mean, when you're a kid, uh, dreams are dreams, dreams, in my mind, dreams equate to fantasies. Like I want to own a unicorn, for example. Right. And like, that's childish. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, or I want to ride a hot air balloon to the moon. Like that's just ridiculous. Right. But I feel like as you get older and you start to acquire more tools and you start to know more about the world and you start to gain wisdom, um, the two of them at your best, the two of them become the same thing. And I think that the, 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 the merging of the two or the convergence of the two is the, the circumstance that allows for people like Elon Musk to exist or allows it. And, and for people like you and I, for example, like we strive for that convergence point. And I think that that's, you know, if we talk about all the stuff we've talked about offline about where we think we would like the show to go, you know, we'd love to be able to tour the United States and go from city to city and pull artists and have these forum events where people come out and the artists perform. And then we talk about their work and we talk about the world and creativity. That is a dream that has a tangible possible reality. But how fucking happy would we be if we managed to pull that off? Or even if we were able to build the studio that we've been talking about for two years. You know, those are actually tangible dreams. And that's the convergence point of reality and dreams. And I don't think that, that having reality 
find your dreams or your dreams finding reality is necessarily a bad thing. And I think as I get older, the more and more I believe that, the more pragmatic I become about my dreams. And I know that sounds strange um, because dreams by nature are not supposed to be pragmatic, but I think that's, 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 a, that's a, an assumption that people make because they, they see, they see the, the, the diametric opposition. They, they assume that the two are diametrically opposing. And I don't think that that's the case. You know, mm-hmm. like with the stuff that I'm doing now, for example, like with my challenge, my challenge, um, we're going to go all out of order in this fucking episode because That's this fine. fits. Um, my challenge was to find a piano. And not only did I go and find a piano, I found a piano that I've been looking for for a long time with the action that I wanted from the era that I desired it from. And it was a long, tough, weird search, but I ended up being able to find it. And now it's sitting in my house. And that's a dream that's attainable that leads me to be able to do other dreams, like to create the reality that makes other dreams possible. And so I think that the, the older you get, the more you have to give yourself the ability to use the tools at your disposal as an adult or the wisdom or intelligence or resources or networking at your disposal to make a lot of these dreams reality. But there's so many things that go into that. You know, the biggest thing for me is to allowing my dreams to not only modify, but to be able to break them down into smaller pieces that can then get me to the bigger dream. That's interesting because my perspective when I began with this quote was a different way. But now I'm coming around to your way in the sense that I'm seeing exactly what you're saying. This is, this is why talking like things like this are really important. Um, because I had a perspective and I was pretty solid on my perspective. But then actually taking the time to hear what you're saying and understand, oh, he's using that word this way. And that's not the way I'm using it. That's why I'm confused. All of a sudden, your idea has enhanced my perspective. In some ways, canceling out a lot of the negative parts of it. Sure. And, and what what I see in there especially is you know, my initial reaction was to say, when you said, you know, the dreams are it's foolish and childish, to think, well, maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's what's wrong was my first thing. Maybe the reason that we haven't, you know, you're not a rock star and I'm not a famous novelist is because we think that. And maybe the reason that John Lennon was John Lennon and Bob Marley was Bob Marley was because they didn't doubt it and they just dove all the way through it. And yes, there's part of me that still believes that. But that's not in contradiction to what you're saying. Sure. Yeah, in I don't fact, doubt it. Yeah, totally. Go ahead. Well, yeah, I, fact, I know where you're going. I feel where you're going with this already. <laughs> the only way that they were to achieve those things was uh, to let it collide with the reality. Absolutely. John Lennon and, needed to know how to play fucking piano and, and, and write songs. <laughs> and form a band. Absolutely. And, and travel and the world. And dynamics. And, and deal with the logistic of touring and, and handling a tour manager. I mean, people see the glitz and glamour of all this stuff, but I've been on so many different sides of that equation, especially when it comes to music now. Like I've managed a band, I've worked in music, I've been the musician. There's, there's so much shit that isn't, musically rela- that isn't related to music that you have to think about as a musician right. in order to make it in the music industry. And a lot of it ha- doesn't have anything to do with it. In fact, a lot of it doesn't have to do with talent. Um, like, I mean, we keep going back to, or at least I keep going back in my head to the example of John. And John Miller is single-handedly one of the most talented musicians I've ever known. Um, and he hasn't just found the right momentum or, or niche or right partners or right event um, that's propelled him into the limelight yet. But it's not for a lack of talent. That dude is infinitely talented. Yep. No doubt about it. Well, one of the things that strikes me too is 
something that has been talked about previously before many times with you last episode with Tom, um, I pulled this quote about this, about writing down your goals, like that it's important if you have a goal to put it on paper. And I related that to what I've always told you about story ideas. Mm-hmm. If you have an idea for a story, put it on paper because the moment you make it tangible is the only time that you can begin working with it. And I see that completely related to what we're talking about right now. When, when you say, you know, dreams are foolish and childish, I understand what you mean because it is a dream that is just a dream. And maybe a better word for those things that nobody ever wants to use is a fantasy. Yeah, that's, that's better. Yeah. It's an idea that you have of something you want that you aren't willing to work for. Mm-hmm. You just want it to happen. I want to wake, you know, like those, how many movies like, uh, Oh God, you know, go, Oh God, part two, you know, like uh, with George Burns. And then there was tons of other movies like Bedazzled, uh, the original, the remake, where people just wake up in a different life or like Mr. Destiny, which I mentioned in the episode with Brandon. They just wake up in a life where they have everything that they wanted. They didn't have to work for it. Or people who dream of winning the lottery. Uh, I've read a lot of books recently or listened to a lot of podcasts recently, not necessarily by choice, but just kind of like what shows up in front of me, written by entrepreneurs. People like Ray Dalio. Um, you know, people who have made, if anybody doesn't know who Ray Dalio is, he, owns, uh, he founded Bridgewater, which is the largest venture capital firm in the world. Loaded. Um, but reading these books, the one thing that becomes clear is that it's reality that got them there. The yeah. dream, the dream is, is it's like the blueprint, you know, like in a sense, and then maybe not even the blueprint, it's the sketch. You know, this is, this is the house that I want. But until you, you know, you get the plumbing and you figure out how to get the lumber and you figure out how to get the land and you figure the electricity or the electrical, that's the reality. So you gotta, you gotta have a plan to get all that stuff in. So yeah, you're right. They have to collide because you can't get that, that, that dream. It's a dream. I think it becomes a dream when you start working for it. Unless, you, unless you're working for it, it will always remain a fantasy. Maybe that's a good way to separate the words on those two things. I absolutely, you know, the way I think about it is this, and, and, and now we're talking about semantics. So let's, let's, let's be clear about like with fantasies, for example, right? Fantasies are something you, you're right. Like you wish that some genie would appear out of a vase you brush across in an antique store somewhere and some dude comes out and grants you a wish. I would prefer um, it was a woman, please. Yeah, uh, uh, true. Um, <laughs> That's so, my fantasy. So in your fantasy, it's a woman. Um, in my fantasy, it's Will Smith painted blue. Um, mm, not not at all. Known. No, Nobody would have known you had a deep fantasy about blue Will Smith. That's... Not blowing. We'll talk, we'll talk about that later. Um, but... <laughs> But basically, the way I see it is this. I'm, I, I, I have a lot of random fantasies. Like, I'd love to go to Mars. That'd be sweet. And then I think about the reality of it, and I think of how much it would suck and how I wouldn't be able to come back and how Mars gravity is not the same as Earth gravity. So my yeah, skeleton... Popping out of your head like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, and my skeleton would slowly like just disintegrate because Earth gravity is what maintains bone structure. Mm. Um, so so I, I think in, from that perspective, like... It's not about what I fantasize about. 
dreams are very simple to me. And dreams, the, the word dream itself actually has has no meaning when it comes to this, when it comes to my perspective of it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fantasies versus passions. And if I'm passionate about something, and and you know anyone who's known me for any length of time, including me, when I'm passionate about something, I'm relentless about it. Like you know, if you take golf or photography, or at one point in my life, writing, you know, jumping back into music. Interesting week. Um, so I just finished reading. I just posted this like <laughs> like an hour ago on on because <laughs> uh, I almost forgot to to share this, but I just finished reading Deep Work by Cal Newport, mm-hmm. who is slowly becoming one of my favorite nonfiction authors. Uh, actually, started a third book of his already, but. In the book, one of the things he talks about is this idea of something I've heard of before, but the way he approaches it is very different. Time blocks. Uh, he talks about like the importance of setting aside time. Like, this is the time I do this. This is the time I do this. And I guess he had written some article online and like somebody came back at him and, and you know, we're talking about at replies. Don't at me. Well, he got added. Added. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At, at. Sure. Um, and somebody saying like, oh, this makes people care more about counting minutes than blah, blah, blah. And this is where his, his theory of it gets very interesting. He says, no, that's the exact opposite of what I'm talking about. So what his concept is this. So you say, like, for example, I'll tell you how I did it. I want to write for two hours every day. Mm-hmm. And that's, I want that to be the first thing that I do every day so that I have all of my mental energy before I've spent it on anything else, even listening to podcasts, nothing. Even I haven't even looked at my phone yet. Two hours. So I'm going to block, block out two hours. Why two hours? Because I don't, I don't think I can go a full two hours. But I think I can do like an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to say an hour and a half because then you shortchange yourself. And then you, you, you mess up your schedule, right? So you overestimate. That's one thing he says. When people block time, they always underestimate. He sure. says, always underestimate because we suck at estimating time. Overestimate, you mean? Yes. Always overestimate because we suck at it. Uh, estimating time. Sure. We think something's going to take us 20 minutes. It takes an hour and a half. Sure. So, and then what he says is, so set aside that time. He says, but, and what you want to do, what he, I haven't done this part yet. But he says, what you want to do is write out your schedule for the day. Okay, I'm doing this from this time to this time. This from this time to this time. This from this time to this time. Okay. And draw blocks around each of those. Now, say you go to write and you get them an hour through. You get an hour... We'll say, like I said, an hour and a half through. You still have half hour left. But you're out of energy on the writing. You can't do the writing anymore. Well... Think about something else to do that's not on your your list for the rest of the day for that next 30 minutes. Things that are not important. Like, okay, well, I have 30 minutes. I guess I'll check my email now. Mm. He says, or move on to the next task. He says, but you have to do two things to move on to that next task on that time block list. You either have to... You have to do both. Sorry, not either. First, you have to wait at least five minutes Mm -hmm. before you switch to the next task. And number two you have to rewrite the schedule for the whole day. No. And the whole point of this is the two things. Number one, training your brain to not jump at novelty. So you're, it, the whole point of the book, deep work, right? So you're training your brain going, this is the task that I'm doing. 
but I can't jump to that other stuff. Because when you jump, this is the thing that the digital media has taught us. This novelty of like, oh, I can jump here and I can do this. I can do this and I can do this. We never focus because sure. of that. Yeah. So you have to retrain your brain to focus. And that's why the five minutes is important too. You have to wait at least five minutes to make it clear that, okay, I am transitioning to this other thing purposefully instead of just kind of, you know, grazing. Sure. And, and the other section, uh, the other part is when you have to redo the schedule and you have to rethink all of that stuff. He's, he's, it's part of that training, but in a different way. It's almost like a punishment, right? Like, oh, I have to move this here. I have to move this here. So you're like training your brain to go, I don't want to do that. So I just, I'll find a way to fill that time. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I haven't done the schedule thing, right? Because I just, I haven't found the need for it yet. So the time block thing, he says, the reason the time block thing is important, he says, because if you could train your brain to focus on those times and then be willing, always be willing to extend, but never shorten, you know, mm-hmm. try not to shorten, always be willing to extend. So if you are writing and you're on fire at two hours, keep going. Sure. Rewrite that schedule and give yourself a whole nother hour. Always favor the tasks that you're, you know, you're, that you're on fire on. Never sure. stop that. But when you focus on those one things, he says, what happens is your brain, when it learns to block out those other things, and it can really focus on that, you end up getting more done. So like, for example, talk, he talks about uh, David Hanemeyer Hansen and Jason Fried, the owners of Basecamp. They did something not too long ago where they said, we're changing our work week to a four-hour or four-day work week instead of a five-day work week. And everybody was, you know, somebody, I think it was the, the Wall, Wall Street Journal or something, somebody, you know, ripped into them in an article saying, you know, f- four 10-hour days is, is just, it's too much. You know, you're asking people to be there for eight hours and then tack on another two just so that, you know, you can say it's only a four-day week. And he was like, uh, no, that, that's entirely not what I'm saying. I'm saying four eight-hour days. Yeah. Literally erase those other eight hours. Give people less time to work. And what they found out, it was an experiment. What they found out was because they only had... So it's eight times four. Is, uh, 32. 32. Yeah, sorry. Not, not a quick multiplier. 32 hours instead of 40 hours. So what happened was people started being a little stingier with their time. Sure. Like, oh, you want to have this meeting? Does it have to be a meeting? Can we do it in email? You know, like, am I these? So they start asking each other questions, you know, like, am I willing to waste what could potentially be an hour and a half in a meeting when I could read an email in five minutes? Sure. And they ended up their productivity shot through the roof by removing eight hours from the week. Interesting. But it makes sense because most of our time is either jumping around doing stupid shit, you know, like, I'm going to do something on my phone. And we think we're, we're so awesome because we can go into this app and do this one thing. But in reality, we dip into like five other apps every time we open our fucking phone. Sure. And all of that shit adds up over time. That's why we have when we look at it, you know, like our screen time things, and it's like six hours on your phone today. You don't feel like you spent six hours because you just dipped a second into here, second into here. You open your Instagram, pulled down, refreshed, uh, read a comment. Guess what? That was two minutes. Every time you do that, you know, like that time eats up. But when you're able to get that novelty out 
and you're actually able to focus, you accomplish more because you're not wasting time. Sure. You know, like if you said, I, I, I do Instagram, but I only do it half hour every day. And it's exactly at 7.30 to 8 o'clock. And then I don't look at it any other time before 7.30 or after 8 o'clock. You probably get more done on, you know, like people who like to go through and comment on other pictures and stuff like that. You probably get more done in a half hour than you would if you were dipping into it all day. Do you have you tried to employ that yet? That's the way I've been doing email for years. Oh, okay. I only check email once a day. If it doesn't come to me before I open my email, guess what? Not going to see it till tomorrow. Got it. Tough titties. You know or, what I mean? Or if it's important enough, call me. And, and that has happened maybe twice in a year. Sure. And because people don't like to call me either. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I I've made it pretty clear that like and that's one of the things I really liked about this book too. He talks about email and he's like he's like start using email properly. He's like people send such lazy fucking emails where they don't get details or they don't ask proper questions. So you end up with these back and forth email these conversations. Crazy de- email chains, yeah. Or is like he says, you know, like he's like, Oh, let me know on this. He says, No, that's not it. You say like for example, somebody sends you something like he reads a, a lot of uh, colleagues' papers, um, you know, like thesis and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sending this to me. I plan on reading this before next Friday. On next Friday, I will send you a detailed analysis of what I think. And then if you have any questions, you can call me on the phone on this day at, that, at this time. Yeah. Done. Now the... Oh, and you said then you end it with, and unless there's a problem, don't feel that you need to reply to this. Hmm. So in other words, done. Instead of like, oh yeah, I'll take a look at it. And then the person goes, cool. When do you think you... Now you end up spending a fucking half hour in this conversation when you could have just laid it all out. Yeah. And so that's one of the things like I try to do with my communications, like get to the fucking meat of it. What time? What day? And like I have people that have wanted to come on the podcast. Like, cool. Here's the time that I have. Here's the... I, I don't... I learned this lesson a long time ago. Instead of saying, what day is good for you? Because you're putting the burden on that person. Mm -hmm. Instead, I go, these are the days I can do it. And these are the times I'm available. Which one works for you? Sure. And then they say, oh, this day and this day are good. I pick which one then. If they're throwing back more than one, I pick one and I go, cool. I'm putting in the calendar this day at this time. Sure. Done. And people, people appreciate that because they don't want to do the back and forth either. Sure. And even the people who don't consciously know that they don't want it end up not wanting it. Uh, right. That's a complicated sentence, but you know what I'm getting at. Well, yeah. Can you imagine like if we had a text message conversation like, you know, Lamb, I think maybe I might want to go to the movies. Oh yeah. oh, yeah? You might want to go to the movies? Yeah. You think you'd like to go? Yeah, maybe I'd like to go. What movies do you like that are out there? Well, I like this movie and this movie. Oh, really? I like this one and this one. Well, we share this one and this one in common. What do you think about this? Uh, I think maybe... And it keeps going forever. How about... Uh, you get a e- uh, text message that says, End game. Saturday. 12.30. Can you make it? Which is now describing how I actually generally communicate with people. <laughs> and I think, I think that's, that's the function of like me just being busier. Like I just don't have time for the chit-chat and the back and forth. Well, not chit-chat. It's the wrong way to put it. But... I just get to the point, please, for the love of God, get to the point. 
There's okay. with uh, like I'm starting to really just dislike text message in general, just because there's I like the directness of those things. That's the part I do like about it. Sure. The part that I don't like about it is how flippant people have become, in the sense that like um, somebody can call and uh, call, sorry, text and ask you a question, and then you answer the question, and then that's the end of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Like they never explain to you like, oh, this is why I was asking that, and you know what I've trained myself to do? Mm. Stop fucking caring. <laughs> well, that'll do it. Sure. I just don't, it's like you know somebody says like. Hey, have you ever seen this movie? Like, yeah, I saw it, I think, uh, six months ago. And then they never reply to that. Like, I guess that's all they needed to know. And I move (laughs) on. You know, but sometimes we'll like bait the person back. We're like, why? Like, you know what? I I don't care anymore. Yeah. And if you didn't care enough to give me a response, then there's no reason for me to fish. Yeah. It's obviously not going to be a good conversation. Yep. Jeez. (laughs) Fishing is just, it's a waste of time. Yeah, but I'm I'm so I'm so kind of just over having conversations via text anyway. So I kind of feel the same way about it. You know, it just it just seems not very informative or productive. And so from that perspective, especially with how busy I am these days, like it just it just does not feel like a good use of my time to sit there and respond to a hundred text messages, most of which I'll probably forget about within an hour. You know? Yeah, I mean, if you look at our <laughs> if you look at our email conversation, yeah, uh, lame. K home. K ready when you are. Cool. <laughs> uh, shall we move recording tomorrow? Would be yes, wise. Would be wise. What time today? Pretty much any time. What time are you thinking? Five thirty or so. I'm in Palo Alto. Depends on traffic. K works for me. Almost home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready whenever. Jumping on. It's like it's like walkie-talkie. Right? I feel like we're sending telegrams. <laughs> It feels like it, but that's the way that's the way tech message should be used. Sure, precise, concise, and decisive. Not these long. Oh man, just meandering um, messages that go nowhere. You know, I have there. There are a few people that I accept really long messages from because it's just the, that's who they are. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a some, and because it's who they are, there's an art to the longer ones, and they just have so much information to say, so they just pump it out in this, but. What I appreciate about that is they take the time to at least put it in one bubble. Sure. I hate when people break it up into like 15 bubbles. I'm oh, like, yeah, oh, that's obnoxious. Put the phone down. No, not yet. Not done yet. Duh, oh, duh, when duh. can I put the phone down? <laughs> when, when, am I, when am I supposed to jump in here? Although I will say I appreciate people who separate separate ideas into separate bubbles so I can yeah. answer individual questions. You know what I tried to do too? This is so funny. This actually does fit in the show because what we're talking about is trying to do things better. I, I break them into paragraphs. I'll use the same bubble, but I break them into different paragraphs. Oh yeah, sure. Using proper grammar in a text message? What's wrong with you? Just, you know, like, okay, that subject is in that paragraph. Space. Yeah. <laughs> other other topic. <laughs> I do hate when it goes back and forth, like when you're threading like three different conversations, like, nah, can we yeah, just talk about too much, then- yeah. Go to the other one later. Uh, what movie are you watching? Oh, uh, also, I'm eating this right now. By the way, did you know... Don't care. Oh, my God. I'm gone. Yeah, I mean, my... Uh, and maybe, maybe you know, in a weird kind of way, like this concussion has been such a godsend uh, in that my cognitive abilities and my cognitive speed are not what they're, they normally are. 
So I have to be conservative about my time. You know, I have to be, I have to limit the amount of energy I spend on individual tasks. And so because of that, I've been very selective about how I respond to things and, and when I respond to things. I even ask people for very specific things in my communications with them. And it's been really, really helpful. And I may just, I may just keep doing that. Yeah, directness is always easier. Sure. Um, you know what I realized is I started to talk about the week and then we went on a tangent. I never finished what I meant. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that happens often. Um, so anyways, time blocks. That's what I was explaining. So time blocks. So what I did is I set aside two hours every day to do writing. And was Tuesday was the first day. And I sat down and I was like, fuck. Because, you know, like having to rewrite the whole thing is... We talked about this before and I talked about this in multiple episodes on my Patreon. Is like, fuck, this is so daunting. Like morally. Um, morale. Not morally. It's daunting to your morale. Like It's like being... Kicking yourself over and over again. Like, oh, I don't want to do this. So I sat here and like I, was, I, I probably looked at the computer for like maybe two minutes. I was like, nope, don't want to do this in front of the computer. So then I pulled out the index cards and I started doing some stuff with the index card, figured out like one thing. I'm like, oh, that's, oh, yeah, that's cool. But I still like wasn't into it. I was not into it. I was kind mm. of, you know, like sometimes you do a task, especially like a creative task and you're outside of it, jabbing at it. Mm. You know, like you're poking it. It's like you're poking at it from, from a distance. Sure. You don't, you're not in flow. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I definitely was not in flow. So then I went over to the chair and I, I'm like, maybe if I do it in a notebook, it'll like pull me in more. And I wrote like one sentence in the notebook and I'm like, nope, this isn't doing it either. And then I did something I've never done before. I said, you know what I'm going to fucking do is I'm going to use the voice memos on my phone and I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to talk it out. I'm going to talk this out and just talk myself to some place. I don't know where I was going. I don't know what I was doing. All I knew is I had this big idea for the book, big in the sense that it requires a whole rewrite to get this one thing in there. But I didn't really understand yet what that was going to mean for the whole book. Sure. I'm sure everybody can hear. Latte just woke up and he's scratching. Um so I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna just record it that way. I can not have to worry about um, forgetting anything, and I can just talk this out and just figure this out. And first of all, that's really really hard. It's really hard for me at least because when you're actually thinking stuff out, there are long silences. Sure. And there's always a part of my brain that goes, "There's a recorder going." You know, like, <laughs> I don't know why. No one's going to fucking hear this. But there's part of me that's worried about these long silences. Huh. Which, which made me wonder, small tangent, why the voice memo app on the phone, which is supposedly technologically more advanced than the little mini tape recorders we had when we were younger for recording classes, why it doesn't have the feature to strip silence. Oh, sure. Because you know, those little tape recorders, if you put it in a room and nobody was talking, it wouldn't record until it heard sound. Yeah, it'd be voice activated, yeah. Yeah. Why doesn't the fucking iPhone have that? That should be built right in. But anyways, so I end up sitting there and I'm talking this out for an hour. <laughs> I went an hour just like I kept going and like I got on fire. Like I got into flow near the end and I had... I mean, I put up the picture on Instagram. 89 new plot points from that hour. Jeez. 89 new plot points that completely changed things and not some 
I don't know how to describe it. It's like, like that the idea of poking at it from the outside. Mm-hmm. I always felt like that about my main character. I understood my main character, but I always felt like I was manipulating him from outside of him. Mm. I never felt like I got into him or into the other characters for that matter. Like I felt more like a marionette with that book. And then when I got to the end of that, I had such an understanding that I was like, oh my God, I know this book now. Yeah. I know this book now. And like most of the stuff I'm going to rewrite, I'm going to have to write scenes that don't exist. I'm going to have to throw away probably half the scenes that I have, but it's going to be the book that I always wanted it to be. Sure. Well, because now you actually know what you want it to be. Exactly. Well, and it has that, it has a heart to it. You know, like we talked about the story thing before, right? Yeah. Like, what's the story? You know, like Game of Thrones, who will sit on the Iron Throne? That embodies the whole show. Sure. Right? That's it. If you don't have that, which I didn't, if, of course you feel like you're outside of it poking because you don't know what the fuck you're playing with. So I got to the end of that and I, and then I, I did something else after that. Uh, I don't remember. I ended up spending the whole two hours um, and feeling really productive. So then I went and I did like my normal like work stuff for clients, some other stuff. Went on an hour and a half walk with the dog. I boxed in the morning. I boxed in the evening. I got to the end of the day and I was like, this is probably one of the best days I've had in years. Hmm. Just because I actually, in every way that day, fulfilled all of the roles that I had set for myself. Yeah, I recorded part of a... Uh, I recorded a solo podcast that night too and a Patreon episode that night. So every role that I had set for myself in my life, I fulfilled in that one day. Interesting. Not to completion, but you know, like I was doing it. Like yeah, I'm yeah. a writer. Sure. I wrote. You know, I'm a podcaster. I podcasted. I want to be healthy and exercise. I did it three times that day. You know, like everything. How's the boxing coming along, by the way? I, you know, I, I've I've taken on a new, a new theory on that, in the sense that I don't go for long periods. I go for five minutes at a shot. Mm-hmm. So any time that I'm ready, I just go outside barefoot, whatever, do it for five minutes, come back in, mm. because I'm trying to train my brain to be like this is something you can do whenever they feel, whenever you feel like it, and train it into something just like watching TV. We're like, oh, let's do that now. Instead of making it like this, you know, like big grand thing that you have to do. The bigger you make exercise, the more daunting the exercise is, the easier it is to avoid it. Sure. You know, like I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to do fucking uh, CrossFit for two hours. Well, on the day you're lazy, it's really hard to convince yourself to go do CrossFit for two hours. Sure. But if it's five minutes hitting a bag, it doesn't matter what day it is. I was sick one day and I fucking went out and did it. Hmm. It's weird. We have such opposite feelings about that. I feel like because I turn tasks into grandiose things, like exercise in particular, I feel like I'm more likely to do them. I feel like when you make something bigger than it is, personally, it, it makes it really easy to avoid it. Makes it easy to make excuses mm. when it's when it's when it's nothing. When it's just like brushing your teeth, then I mean, nobody goes, "Oh, you know what? I forgot to do today. I forgot to brush my teeth." Or you know what? I was too lazy to brush my teeth today. Or I didn't feel like wiping my ass. I guess it kind of depends on like the way that I make it work for me is that I turn it into a task with an end goal. I think um, like, for example, with golf, I'll tell myself, okay, I want to hit 10 chips within three feet of the hole from 50 yards. 
Mm-hmm. And so I will not be done with that task until I achieve that. Yeah, that's gamification. Oh, yeah, um, true. <laughs> referring back to Jay McGonagall and Super Better. Um, but, you know, like that's the same thing with the boxing, right? Five minutes. That's a gamification too. It's, it's, it's a time-based gamification. You know, like to get to the next level, you have to do five minutes of this. Sure. And it's the same thing. I won't stop five minutes early. I wait until my watch says at least five minutes on it. Oh, I see. I will never stop before. And I have a ritual too. And it's like, because anybody that hasn't put on boxing gloves, it's really easy to put on the first one. The second one is not so easy to put on. So... And that's because you don't have fingers. They're inside a glove now. A boxing glove. You don't have fingers, Chad? Not in a boxing glove. I got mitts. Yeah, so what I'll do is I put the first hand in, but I don't don't strap it. And then I'll reach over and I start the timer and then I strap it and put on the other glove so that I'm really only putting in 10, 15 seconds of non-exercise time on that clock. Gotcha. And then, but that's, it's not important, but it's gamification, right? Can I do this? How quick can I do this? So there's like all these little steps and it's like, okay, make sure you get 50 with the right hand, 50 with the left hand. Now start free form. Boom, 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 boom. And then the little games that you play when you're doing it, like, uh, oh, you know what? I've been doing two with the left hand. You know, you start messing with your combos. Like I've been doing two with the right hand and then one with the left. Well, if I was fighting a person, they'd figure that out. So let's do two with the left and one with the right for a while. Mm-hmm. Okay, now let's do one, two, three, one. Let's do one, 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 one. Uh, so you, those little games you play too. Absolutely, games are so important. And I feel like that's the only way that I'll ever consistently exercise is if I gamify it. If I don't, then it's virtually impossible for me to consistently do it. It's probably the reason why <clears throat> I'm much more willing to play in a hockey game than I am to work out for five minutes. I would argue that there isn't a person out there that can't exercise without gamification. Mm. Um, I, I know people who I know people who can, but it's just a sheer will thing. Like it's a stubbornness and not I really guarantee a, you they're playing games in their head when they're doing it though. Anybody eh, that maybe. times what they're doing is playing a game. Yeah, maybe. You're Especially right. runners. And you're like, oh dude, I did a you know a six minute mile. They're gaming it. Yeah, that's gaming it. Sure. That makes sense. What are they gaming it against? This is a gaming of the last time. Like, oh, last time I did it six six twenty. This time I did six. That's gaming it. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. They're playing Excite Bike instead of t- instead of Punch Out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, you remember in Excite Bike, literally, like the first time you go through the level, or, you know, you win. If you play that level again, you have to beat the time that you did before. So it becomes this loop of always having to get shorter and shorter time. Sure, that's that's what a runner's doing. Oh man, I haven't thought about Excite Bike and. It's got to be decades by now. That's crazy. Well, it's because of that Switch. When I bought the Nintendo Switch, mm-hmm. you pay the like I think it's like twenty, thirty dollars a year for the Nintendo service, and you get all these. Well, not all, but like forty classic games, just available for free. And Excite Bike, because well, one one Excite Bike and Punch Out were some of them. So I went and played those, and I was <laughs> realized that I fucking suck at them now. <laughs> I remember kind of the tricks with Excite Bike, you know, like, oh, lean forward when you go over the jump and then pull back here and all the little tricks, but, or like punch out, you know, fighting guys are like, oh yeah, how do I beat this guy again? Oh yeah. All the strategies that you employ from boxer to boxer. Sure. Yeah. And you're like, oh yeah, that's right. Don Flamenco pulls his arm back, smack him in the face. Okay. 
boxing back to boxing again. And boxing we've, we're we're fully back. We've hit boxing three times in three different ways in this. We've episode. we've hit boxing three times. That's funny. Sorry, we've I just boxed like, ourselves in. I've really I'm really like neck deep in puns in my life right now, so it feels I, right I to just stack one on top of yours. Yeah, we're we're oh we're stacking boxes. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> Welcome to dad jokes. I, I, f- I almost considered changing the description of the show from bad jokes to dad jokes. I think you should because that is already a dad joke. In and nobody of would even notice. <laughs> oh man, man, I feel like I'm on such a, a the cusp of a huge change in my life. It's really weird. Mm, how so? Um, I've been, uh, you know, You're like I'm going to become a woman. Yeah. The last week of my life, I've been on this rabid job hunt. Uh, like I just want to do something different. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I realized that in the process of looking for a new job, I'm also having to change my habits in order to look for the new job. Yeah. And I, I didn't realize how entrenched I was in so many things until I actively try to change them. And it's really, really, really weird to object, objectively look at your life and see what choices you've made in order to make things work in your current situation. And I feel like I feel like I just have to wrecking ball the whole thing. That's why I think um, one of the most valuable things of the getting things done, you know, David Allen's getting things done, I, uh, methodology, I almost said ideology, methodology. The, one of the most valuable things about it is not actually the task list and all of that shit. It's the idea of the reviews. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. I think it's really important to audit yourself every once in a while. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it, like you said, it becomes really easy to just do things because you always have. And, and to extend it even further, even the things you think you're doing well, you can always reevaluate the tasks themselves too. It's not just, you know, like for me, a good example of that for me is how I approach music. Um, I, I realized that the way I approach music is not correct for me either. Um, so I've been doing this 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 thing re- recently where I find that I'm more inspired to do music when I hear good music. So what I will do is I will f- I will take a song that I currently like or I'm listening to, and then I will figure out how to play it, and then from there I'll start writing my own stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's a very specific set of set of you know um, it's a, it's a, it's a very specific sequence, but I find that it makes me so much more musically productive. It's really weird. Well, I think there's certain certain you know, the term that I use all the time, and I'm sure people are sick of fucking hearing me say, is wrap your head around. Sure. But I think there are certain things, um, like, you know, on maps, you remember, like, there's a, when, remember the world of physical maps? Mm-hmm. You're looking at a map, you need a key. So anybody that has is too young to know what that means, I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> <laughs> not, not only are you missing out on something really fucking cool, um, that was done for centuries. But so you have a map and there's symbols on a map. Well, there's a little box on the bottom that tells you what those symbols mean. You know, like if it's a dotted line, that means it's a dirt road. If it's a solid yellow line, that means it's a highway. Those are keys. So there are certain ideas that serve as keys in our lives. And there, mm-hmm. everybody has a different map. You know, everybody has different keys. But you have these activities that you do and they're just activities you do. And you try to do your best at them. But until you figure out the fucking key, until you figure out the secret, it doesn't ever click. You never wrap your head around it. Sure, because you have to redo the key every time you do something. Yeah, but yeah, you're just you're, you're making it up as... A, it's like a, going back to the writing thing. You're 
you're jabbing at it from the outside. Yeah, sure. But the moment you figure out that key, you're fucking inside of it. It's, you know, like the difference between watching a movie and virtual reality. Like, oh, this is the story of uh, the Avengers. Well, virtual reality, you're like, holy shit, I'm Hawkeye. That's oh, yeah, a completely sure. different perspective. And that, that finding the key that, for those things, it, it does that. It emerges. It yeah, I'm having trouble with words today. It, it makes it an immersive experience. Sure. And that's, I mean, maybe that's your key for music. And they change, of course. That's why auditing, going back to auditing being important. The key sometimes works forever. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Or like with writing. You might find the key, I like uh, this talking in the microphone thing and recording it. That might be the key for this book. But when I go to write the next book, it might have to be something completely different. It probably will be something different. Exactly. Like I feel like the, the way I'm writing music now is very specific to how I feel about music. You know, I'm, I'm in a very appreciative mode in my life in general. So it would stand to reason that one of the things I would, I would come to appreciate um, without a whole lot of effort is something that I love like music, you know? So in the, the act of appreciation, I find in it the act of creation being a heck of a lot easier or being more genuine for, for lack of better. And I think with music, that definitely is a trap that I might fall into without knowing it is that I produce things that are not necessarily good, but they sound cool in the moment. And, and there's, there's a big difference to me, um, the, the longevity of something, like how, how sticky an idea is in the long run. And I feel like without having some semblance of, of that key, I force myself into the habit of trying to produce something that feels disingenuous. And again, we've, we talk about just the, the lack of sincerity in, in all things um, pretty often here on the show. So it stands to reason that I would have a, a strong desire to, to work against that as an idea for myself as an artist. Well, it's, it's like uh, the episodes of this show. Sometimes we go too serious. Sometimes we go too light. But the best episodes of this show are when we talk about, like right now, I, like this converse, conversation is an example to me of the best of this show. Sure. It's a serious conversation, but it's in a lighthearted way. And we're, we're joking around in the middle of it. Sure. And that's when we're at our best. Because this is some big shit we're talking about here. Oftentimes we get attached to being right. Mm-hmm. And we forget about the thing that we're actually uh, fighting for. I'll use the, the terminology. For example, Say you are sure. like like our interests do, you know. Like we might be talking about art for six months, but then like we might move and both move into a phase where, where we we did where we weren't so much interested in art. Sure, and, and we we're into politics okay. for like a month and a half. Yeah, and and being okay with that, and that that's the difficult thing about the keys, right? Sometimes you don't feel like you're doing the quote unquote right thing. Mm-hmm. Because you're looking at somebody else's key, right? Sure, sure. Like writing or music or both perfect examples. They get upset, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm not saying... I'm not making an argument whether it's whether it works or not because I have no clue. I've done no research <laughs> on this topic. It's just a random thing that's controversial that I can bring up for an example here. Now, they're going to be defensive of that. And what will end up happening in an argument like this is they will end up defending affirmative action and forget, you know, this is like the, the DH5 thing. They're on to a minor point 
and forgot the main. There's nothing wrong with doing that. Like, you know, GTD and, and the principles that guide GTD are definitely a good example of that. You can take and steal certain things in order to become better at it for yourself. But that, that, that self-evaluation thing, that, that scorecard that we're talking about here for our own lives is definitely really critical. You know, the ability to re-examine it and to really ask the question, like, is this the way I really want to do something? And is this the best way I can do something? Yeah, that's a question that's harder to answer than people realize. Right. Well, I mean, and there's, like you said, there's nothing wrong with borrowing or stealing things from other people because of disparity as well. But because they're attacking this tent pole that people, some people will hold up as a way to achieve that, mm-hmm. people might not be open to hear, say they have found evidence. Like I have, I have the numbers and it doesn't work or whatever, right? People might still not listen to them. I know they don't want to because they don't want to admit that something that's been held up so high almost as like a religious dogma. Is well, they're attached to the idea instead of the the, the, yeah. the the thing that they're committed to, right? Right, right. And it's it's easy to do. We all do it. I'm not saying in this example, I don't know who I'm talking about here. I'm making people up. But if the person with the evidence actually asked the question, what would it take for me to change your mind? And the other person answered honestly, then they could actually get somewhere instead of arguing over that point. Right. If you could show me this number, this number, this number, and this number, and they said this, then I would believe you. Okay, well, I have those numbers. Different conversation. Mm-hmm. So that's a really great question. She, she kind of only touches on it in there. But I think that you could go really, you could probably even do a whole episode on that question. Um, the other question that I think is is really good, um, something that Tim Ferriss has actually used a few times. I don't know if he got it from this or not. What's something that you've changed your mind about and why? Now, this isn't obviously to be used in the middle of an argument, but she does suggest, she's like, imagine if we were actually asking our political leaders that question. We would actually learn something about the way they think and who they are, as opposed to what we learn from these debates that don't really teach us shit. Yeah. So before we close out the episode, Tom, what's something you've changed your mind about recently and why? Hmm. In that episode, fundamentals, fundamentals. You got to learn the fundamentals before you can even do your own shit. Sure. And sometimes stealing things from other people means I don't have a fundamental here. That seems to work for you. Maybe that's what I need. Mm -hmm. An injection, I guess. Kind of like an outside force for help to understand my own mind and emotions um for a very long time mostly my entire life um i kind of always was just like you know i if anything i can handle and kind of work on and um, come to grips with it will be my own thoughts and my own internal you know like who i am me myself like how am i going to let some other person get inside and figure out things better than me because it's mine like you know um but i've kind of slowly start to um understand that um reaching out for help and getting kind of like how we've talked about different outlooks and different opinions and different ways of going about things is not really a, a sign of weakness or being broken but it's a very useful um beneficial tool that can provide uh, different types of growth that even you yourself possibly wouldn't have ever come across because 
you're just looking at one viewpoint, not another, you know, that kind of outside, step outside yourself, look, look in from outside the window, you know? Um, so that's, I would say that being vulnerable. Mine's going to take you for a bit of a surprise. I think, um, thing that I've changed my mind about very recently is Google. <laughs> uh, um, not in in the sense that I've taken back everything that I've said. I still believe that surveillance capitalism is dangerous. Mm-hmm. But what I realized recently is, for example, if you were to look at my life, I don't know actually with but, Caliban and sure Ariel. What the hell you're talking about? Caliban, Ariel, Prospero, um, Tempest. The Tempest. Oh, the Tempest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, it's actually not the Tempest. Shit, I pulled up the wrong one. Oh, I think I think head. you're no. I, I think you're right, dude. I'm, no, I, no, no. I'm sorry. That that what I was describing is the Tempest, but what I was trying to remember oh. uh, is not from okay. the Tempest. In one in one of the plays that I'm totally blanking on right now, he he says this person is now. You're in one. Now you're in one. You know, maybe just for a second, a couple seconds. You know, there's there's also this whole science about the connection between the brain and and the body and they say that uh, the pathway between the brain and our history of not just podcasting but in our friendship i feel like i'm coming into it so much more honestly now than i have been in the past like if i don't know i just tell you i don't know you right. know and you i'm genuinely making like i'm genuinely <laughs> making like a really big effort to like actually try to understand what you're saying versus assuming that I know what you're saying. That's a really big difference. And I feel like for, and I feel like for most people with their relationships and their friendships, they do that a lot more than they realize. Well, I, that's definitely something I remember from the mm-hmm. older episodes is I'd say something and you go, Oh yeah, yeah, I know that. And then I talk yeah. about it further. I'm like, Oh no, you don't know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I feel, and I feel like for the first time ever, like I have moments now where I'm like, Hey Chad, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Well, I think it's that it, it goes back to where we started when we when we started recording these ones. Mm-hmm. With the taking away the concept of an audience and just focusing it on you and I, you can't sure. play that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's 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 not a show. You know, it's like it's a conversation, and the conversation dies if you're not completely yeah, honest. Yeah, exactly. No, totally. It's so and, weird. You know, it's like I can I can explain things from the notes, but then when I get to a point where I'm like, oh, well, I have no idea what I meant there. I have no choice but to say I have no idea what I meant there, or I have no idea what that you know what was it was it the last episode? I'm like, so what the hell does this all mean? <laughs> but I love moments like that though, because That's I, I me feel too. like in moments like I love like I, I love that in those moments I feel like we're at our best. And what I mean by that is that both you and I are in a moment where we're like, okay, so let's dig our heels in and figure out what the hell this all means. You know what I mean? And that's why, like, to me, like, most, I, there's a lot of podcasts that would take an idea in. This is not saying that they're wrong, but I'm just saying how I think you and I see things differently. They bring mm-hmm. an idea like Zettelkasten, and it would be an educational format. Let me teach everybody about Zettelkasten. No, I'm trying to, I'm going, well, I'm bringing stuff in going, Lamb. This, for some reason, is really interesting to me. And here's what I think about it so far. But there's something else there. And I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. There's, always, there's always a little bit of a gap in anything I bring in. Because yeah. to me, it's like, Zettelkasten, here's where I, where, what it is. Here's why I think it works. 
here's what I think it does, but I'm not sure I have all the pieces because I don't feel mm. complete on that idea. Yeah, 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 sure. And that's what's interesting about it because then we can work it out. And like you said, we might have to, you know, who knows? Maybe for some reason we'll say that this sticks with you. And all of a sudden you start trying Zettelkasten. You start researching more about it, learning how to do it, and you start doing it. And then in like six months, you and I are talking about it. And like, we need to do another episode on Zettelkasten. And then we do it. Yeah, yeah, sure. Sure. Why not? Because that's how thinking functions. Hermeneutic circle. Of course, we're going to repeat ourselves. That's interesting. That should be obvious. We're, we're living we that yeah. episode. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're like living the philosophies. That's so weird to think about it that way. Well, I, I think huh, that that's we're fascinating. On, we're on a good track that, that we're at least talking about things that are bringing value to our, to our minds if we're living them. That means we're, yeah, I mean, we're not bullshitting there's, there's, ourselves. There's definitely a, 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 I, for lack of a better way of saying it, like, I mean, I feel like I, I, and, and don't take this the wrong way. I actually feel like this is a really positive thing is that I feel like I have to be at my best to do these now. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like the thinking cap has to be on and I have to be sharp and I have to be focused as opposed to before where I just took a lot of it for granted. It's kind of like what I've been saying about Zettelcast and the difference between passive and active. This show is active. Mm-hmm. Even me, like I have notes, but I'm, I do my best not to write a script. I'm just writing notes. So I've got to actually pull the logic together. I have to be, I have to be here. I have to be present. Yeah, I feel like I, I feel like everything. <laughs> well, I feel like every one of these episodes now is you and I standing at the top of a, a big hill, holding a sled, and we have to both consciously make a choice in that moment to go careening down the hill. <laughs> so are you, I mean? are you Calvin or are you Hobbes? I would like to be Hobbes. I feel like you're more adversarial than I am. <laughs> True. Like I feel like you you like to blow stuff up more than I do, so I feel like you would definitely be the Calvin between the two. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me let me end this recording. We can chat for a bit. I was gonna say that sounds like a good way to end it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>